And welcome to the adventures of the Yellow Peril and Magical Negro. Well, it's been a while. <laughs> well, I mean, it's still been a while because we haven't put the episodes up yet. So. Yeah, we're, we're hella slacking, but, you know, it's summer. This we're is a reference ready. to a long break that you've experienced. Just know we apologize at some point. That's yeah. all that matters. Uh, so, let's see. Um, we're going to start with This Is My Shit, yeah? Oh, yes. And I'm supposed to do... Oh, wait. First, check out our blog at yellowperilmagicalnegro.wordpress.com. Um, it's where all our episodes are listed. Uh, we try and keep that up to date. You know, we try. We try. <laughs> we do our best. Um, we're also on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash yellowson, Y-E-L-O-S-O-N. You'll, all our episodes that are up are going to be up there. And if you need to reach out with the, to us because you have feedback on an episode or you have a topic you want us to cover or you have advice, I don't know. You have you have life, whatever, whatever. You came from the future. You're telling us which stocks to bet on. I, mean, I, I wish. I wish. Hook up. us up with that. Our contact email is yellowperil.magicalnegro at gmail.com. We need to get better about checking on that. We do. We, we do. triggered the forwarding on it, but things haven't been forwarding, so it's fine. We'll be um, Do we even remember what our password is? I sent it to you in an email. We'll work it out. Yes. Um... So, yes, so that's all our contact shit and where to find us. Um, Yellow Peril is on um, Twitter as Yellow Sun. Yellow Sun, Y E L O S O N. And I'm on Twitter as Nomen Blog, N A A M E N B L O G. And now it's time for This Is My Shit. Wow. Why don't you start off this week? Um, well, I have not been as tapped into, like, well, you know, as I've said before, Geeky has a broad range of things that apply to it. I've not been ty- that tapped into my sci-fi fantasy shit this past few weeks. Uh, I've been reading a couple of upcoming books that I really enjoyed that are um, sci-fi fantasy. There's one that's called Inheritance okay. by Lisa Forrest, mm-hmm. which is, and I'm pretty sure the author's Australian because the book is set in Australia, but it's like, young girl wants to join the circus, belongs to an ancient line of like... Circus people with special powers called the Circulati. It, it's actually... I know. <laughs> that I know, that sounds know. amazing and cracktastic, It's right? cracktastic because she's, like, descended from, like, the queens. They're called something else. But the thing is, they made sure to make the queens diverse. Okay. They were, like, the formal queens. Nefertiti. And, like, they named, like, Egypt. Greece. England. I was like, okay, so you're trying to be a little, like, okay. around the world. Um... So it's vaguely interesting. I'm halfway through. I really like the stuff that's happening. The romance is annoying, as I often find it, but it's a good book. Other than that, I have been on a queer cinema kick for the past week. I've been trying to find my ass some good GLBTQ comedy films. Um, I'm tired of movies where we die. Yeah. Or enough. just where we end up really sad. And so many of the summaries, like, just just look at the summary on Netflix, and it's like, one of them is Israeli, the other is Palestinian. They fall in love, but then, what happens when the Palestinian's green card expires? How will their love survive? And it's always, like, a picture of someone looking out the window. Yes! That's actually, I think, the cover of the movie I'm, like, mocking a little bit. Why did I guess it? It totally is. And I'm just like, listen, I get that that movie's important, and that movie exists for straight people, but in terms of ratio, queer folks have so many tragedies of that nature. It's precious. It's like a precious of the queer. It is. It is. And we have so few comedies that are just, like, a bunch of queer folks hanging out, like, where is our bridesmaids? Where is our, like, that kind of film? Where is our, like, When Harry Met Sally, even though I hate it, I'm trying to think of a better rom-com. Top five or things like that. Yeah, stuff like that. So I was searching for those, and I found some good ones. Um, I love another gay movie. It's crass and horrible and problematic in moments. Not as problematic as the sequel or as horrible as the sequel, so just watch the first one. But I love that. I found one that revolves around um, black uh, gay men and one black lesbian who are reunited after going to Brown together in New York called The Skinny. 
Okay. Um, which, overall, I really enjoyed. I had some issues with some of the storylines and where they went. Like, there was one that I was like, are we punishing the promiscuous person? Mm. Like, there was some stuff in there that I was like, mm. But, overall, I really, really liked it. Um, I'm trying to think of... Oh, and so, in that in mind, there isn't a lot in terms of movies that I could find online. There was, like, a few things on Netflix. There were comedies. Um, the musical, Were You Mine? Something like that. It's very okay. good. It's Shakespeare-based. Okay. Um, so I turned to web series, because I was like, that's going to find. And I found the most amazing web series that I have ever seen. I, well, one of, it's definitely in the top five. Um, and it's called The K&A Show. Okay. And it's about two women who are friends. One is straight, one is gay. That doesn't even freaking matter. Okay. Um, it is like Broad City. Okay. Um, except, like, pumped up to the ridiculous levels. There's an episode where they try and do good deeds for people, and at one point they're in the park and they see a sketchy man drop his drugs. And one of them's like, go pick them up and return it to him. And she's like, no, you. And she's like, I already helped that little boy. I'm miles ahead of you. And so she goes to pick up the drugs and, like, runs to return him to the sketchy guy. And he's like, thanks, are you a cop? And she's like, no. And he's like, you have to say it. She's like, I'm not a cop. And he's like, just a good deed? She's like, yeah. And he's like, well, did you? I think a good deed should be rewarded. Did you want to come back? Did you want to do some of that with me? She's like, are you asking me if I would do cocaine with you? Yes, absolutely. And she's like, here's my friend, Carly. And he freaks out and is like, is she a cop? And Carly's like, no, I'm not a cop. And then they walk off arm in arm. And that is halfway through the episode. And the rest of the episode, they are coked out in a nursing home trying to donate blood. One of them has herpes. So she's always like... I, you know, the blood's coming out, but I figured that you could, like, spoon the herpes out, sort of like a pasta dish, like, when you, when you, like, strain the pasta out, and the pasta is my herpes, and then you give the old people my boiling water, which is my blood. Like, it is the most irreverent, ridiculous, and there's only five episodes, but I've rewatched them all at least, like, two times each. And they are ridiculous and amazing. I feel like that should go back to back with, what was the, uh, was it the, 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 the Vag Mag. Vag the Mag. Yeah, That's definitely in my top five of, of <laughs> web series, too. If you've never seen Vag the Mag, um, it is about a, a lesbian publication that takes over a fashion magazine. The main character used to be at the fashion magazine and walks in one day and it's all new people. And they're like, you were the cheapest to keep. Um, if you need incentive, one of the stars of Vag the Mag is the lovely Kate McKinnon who is on SNL now and is in the new Ghostbusters film, and she's a freaking hilarious, amazing person. Mm. And I think the first openly lesbian woman to serve on SNL. Okay. There's been, like, two lesbians before, but I don't think they were open about it while they were on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, Kate McKinnon is in it, and she's hilarious and amazing, so I can't recommend Badge the Mag enough. That's another web series. Um, but other than that, I've been sort of... Free and easy. I've been watching a lot of crappy web series, which I won't name, and some <laughs> crappy movies, which I won't name. Oh, oh, wait! Two more queer movies for everyone to watch that I thought were amazing. Um, the way he looks, which is a South American uh, queer boys in high school story Aww. that really doesn't focus on the queerness as much as one of the characters is blind and it's represented very well. And it's sort of his struggle for independence. But the fact that they're queer, um, isn't really, doesn't matter that much. Um, if you don't want, um, okay, I'm not going to spoil it. I'll spoil it in the next episode. So watch it this week or whenever this airs. Um, and the other one is a, uh, movie that's called the sex, the angels of sex. Which really, I think it's called The Angels of Sex. It's called something like that. Either The Angels of Sex or The Sex of Angels. And it is about a couple, a straight couple, who have been together since they were 15. And then he becomes intrigued by a man. um, And she catches him at one point. But the way it ends is a really sort of, I'm going to spoil this, so I'm sorry. But it's a really fabulous poly relationship is how it ends. And the end credits are super cute. With, like, all three of them dancing together and kissing each other and, like, obviously deeply in love with one another. Which I was like, hello, we never get that in American, like, queer, straight. We never get that in, like, American cinema. Yeah. So I was really in love with that. And I've maybe watched the ending credits more times than I should say. Um, And you can watch them on YouTube. 
uh, on note of, of queer folks and fantasy, mm-hmm. I just finished reading Mirror Empire. Cameron Hurley's new book. Yep. I am sad to say that I have had it for a while and I have not read it as of yet because it's in my pile. But I'm It's very good. I'm sure uh, she's amazing. I got the ebook and I've been wanting to loan it to a friend, but I got through Kindle and I shouldn't have because Kindle won't let you loan it. Oh yeah. yeah they'll let you loan some things, but they won't let you loan that. But so I was like, super good book. I really want other friends to read it because I want to talk about it. Um, I'll pop it up on my list. I'll actually try and find it tonight and read it this I, week. I tore through it pretty quickly. Um, there's a lot of interesting characters, um, which is something like, you know, I if you're going to have, like, a uh, a ensemble cast of, of protagonists, it's hard for me to really like a lot, you know, to end up liking most of the characters. And they she did a great job of that. Um, you have a fantasy world that is basically... Um, uh, it's got a couple things. Like, one, they have, like, a lot of warfare going on and drama, but basically you have another dimension is trying to invade them. Mm. And part of it is that they have interesting rules about their magic, because their magic all depends on uh, the moons. Okay. And the thing is that the moons, like, different... Uh, you're attuned to one of the moons if you have magic power. That gives you, like... Control over fire, or over air, or over light. Ooh, or feels very Dragonlands. Go ahead. But the thing is, the thing is, the power of that particular moon might only be strong for so many years, <laughs> and then gone for so many years. Mm. So if you get hurt in the year when the healers can't help you, you, you just, just you're just fucked. You're just scarred. Damn. Down. They're like, yeah. So this injury, if you got healed like three years ago, we would have fixed it. You would be fine. But now you're going to be permanently crippled because it just. We can't fix it. Damn. And it's like, it's interesting because they're like, when the moon is like, has no power, like basically only magic people can see what they're doing. Like it's having no physical effect. Right. So like there, what happens is when you combine this with their warfare, they're having to plan, oh, this kind of magic is going to be strong when this happens, mm. you know, for everyone. And this magic is going to be weak for everyone. That's fascinating. Um, there is a culture that has five genders. Ooh. They have basically a, I think they called it, like, the assertive and, like, the passive for both male and female, and then one, uh, intergender. Mm-hmm. Um, they had, I think, another, another culture had three genders, and then another culture had, like, your classic binary, and it was interesting is just sort of, like, them having to navigate. Mm. Um, one character ends up having to travel to this other place, and, like, you know, he's he's having difficulty dealing there, and then when he's finally leaving, he's, like, realizing he's, like, no one here got to choose their gender. And he just shudders, like... Like, because he's, like, everyone here has been locked in from birth. No one got to choose anything. Mm. And I was, like, that's, like, it's interesting, because you're just put into that shoes of, well, yeah, of course we do. Right? Yeah. Like, um... One of the cultures is, like, super polyamorous. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just interesting because one guy's like, my destiny is I'm going to, like, retire as a farmer with six with six spouses. You know, he's like, I'm supposed to be a warrior. <laughs> like, Okay, I'm getting yeah. with this. Um, so it's really interesting. Um, I'm really hyped, and I really want to read the next books. I feel like... You've read her other trilogy, right? Um, yeah, I did. I feel like I, I haven't read it because... Um, I mean, I feel like it's fine to say it now. The announcement should go on the week we're recording, and this won't be up for at least three weeks. Um, I signed a book deal. With, okay. And so my first book will be coming out next year, and I'm currently editing and revising it, and reading really great authors like Cameron Hurley just makes me feel a little bit like shit, where I'm just like, oh, I'm never going to be as good a writer as her. Uh, like, well, why should I, I will, even bother? I will forewarn you, Mere Empire, like, her craft has improved. Like, I liked a lot of... Um, What's it called? The, uh... Infidel? Uh, yeah. Infidel trilogy? The Beldam Apocrypha. Yeah. So... I like, love that it's called the Apocrypha. <laughs> it just makes me happy inside. But, like, as much as I like those, her craft came up a lot more. Like, her pacing's a lot tighter, and, uh... The fact that you're following so many characters and sticking with it really well, it's... It's really good. Awesome. Yeah. I can't wait to read it. Um, and feel one, horrible. The other thing I will tell you is that there is a glossary in the back. Make use of it. I didn't realize because I'm reading the the e version. I saw something like that. I was like, "You mean I could have just?" Mother- <laughs> That's one of the reasons I don't like ebooks. Yeah. I'm like, I like yeah. to be able to flip back and forth. Yeah. Um, 
uh, I'll mention the two webcomics I've been following that have gotten really interesting again. Mm-hmm. Uh, Earthworld. Okay. It's doing a lot of interesting developments. Um, I need to catch up. Yeah. Um, basically, there's a lot of interesting stuff going on in terms of, like, they're discussing how the rules of the world work in mm-hmm. terms of fate. Mm. Um, and sort of, like, they're they're kind of talking about things that the, the, the different spellcasters know about the rules of the world. Um, the other thing that's really interesting, um, we talked about this a couple episodes back about Gunner Creek Court. Oh, and, yes. Uh, her, uh, what's her name's father being really messed Oof. up? Oof. Oof. Antimonies. And, yeah. Um, that's where I was going Her daddy in it. Yeah. Her daddy in ass. Her dad is an ass, but it seems like she's got a plan going on. Ooh. And she's just been keeping it low-key. Ooh, time. I'm going to have to catch up on so that, I'm too. I'm really interested in what's going on. Oh, also, can we note that both of these comics have GLBTQ characters? In fact, I think both of them have characters that identify as lesbians. Oh, okay, I'm going to spoil this, but I have to, because this is... Because Earthworld can just... Earthworld seems like it's just going to be like a dude bro comic. Yeah, and then it isn't. So, one of the things they just got past, they had a discussion about consent. Ooh. And it was, um... Because Parson, who's basically a dude bro gamer. Yeah. And basically, um, there's this woman who's a hippie mancer. Like, the magic is love, right? And she's had this discussion with him talking about the nature of love, and she's like, you know, hey, this person's into you, why don't you, you get with her? And he's like, she's under my command. That wouldn't be okay. You know, like, like he's trying to explain to her, because their entire world is based on game rules, Yeah, and he's trying to explain to her how things work back home, and he's like, yes, people who are superiors and inferiors get together, but they really shouldn't. And here, because there's magic commanding people, I can't do that. Yeah. And I was like, oh, so you're like a hella decent person, right? And they even, he even acknowledges, like, like he's like, yeah, I saw some pretty fine-ass people. I thought about some shit, but I'm not going to do it, right? And what was great is she's like, well, I can tell you what she is doing is consensual. And all you have to do is give her the order that she should do what she feels like. And I bet she will rip all of your clothes off and all like, Oh, my lord. <laughs> my. Right? Oh, my. So, I thought it was kind of cool that they had that discussion, because as a dudish, broish kind of comic for a dudish, broish kind of crowd, they could have just not did that, and no one would have expected them to. Yeah, they, yeah. they you know, they they are decent. Yeah. Um, which I appreciate. And Gunner Krieg, of course, has one of my favorite coming out subplots oh, ever. Yeah. Which is just, like, the cutest, the most, we're not going to spoil it, but it's like... One of the cutest coming out, like, subplots, I think, that I've ever read. Yeah. And it's one of my favorites. I go back and reread that storyline. And now I have reason to catch up. Gunner Creek is a comic I really, really love. I just always, like, take, like, three to four month breaks because... It's slow. It's slow. And so then I go back and catch up on what's been happening. Mm-hmm. Um, shall we jump into our topic? <laughs> yes. We're doing anti-heroes. Anti-heroes. Those we love. What they do, what it be, I don't know. <laughs> um, something with anti-heroes. Um, so yes, anti-heroes, those who are the protagonists but not necessarily have the quote-unquote heroic qualities that um, society deems appropriate or whatever. Like, well, often... Since, since we just mentioned um, Cameron Hurley, Infidel. Oh, Infidel. Which, um... Oh, that's an anti-hero. Right. Um, Nyx, her name, Nyx. Yeah. It, she is one of the best female characters I have read. I adore Nyx. Um, I adore that her culture has colorism issues, because they're the lighter-skinned brown folk, and the country they've been warring with has the darker skin. I like that uh, her planet is basically like Islam up like 500, 800 years later, to where they've splintered into subgroups. Yes. And the subgroups are like different than current subgroups, right? Like There's, yeah. like, fascinating, like, um, Islamic parallels happening there. There's also, like, the minority Christian and Jewish cultures that are, like, sort of touched on. But there's also this interesting way in which they came up with this plausible reason why it's become a matriarchy. Mm-hmm. And that's because so many of the men are sent off to war and die. Yeah. The women are the only ones left to run shit. It's just, like... Holy shit. Like, it's fascinating. And I love it. And she is one of the 
darkest. I I mean, here's the here's how much I love this trilogy. Literally, I can remember that the beginning line is Nick sold her womb on the way to Faluha, I want to say. I remember that that is the initial line. The initial line is about her selling off a body part to pay her way, and it doesn't get any... It's it's very much biopunk. It's very much biopunk, with bugs that run things, and, I mean, there's a scene in the third book that I'm not going to spoil, where Nick su- does something so that, her, so that her party can survive, and it is one of the most hardcore, dark things I've ever seen a protagonist we're supposed to identify with do, and still feel sympathetic for them. I was like, well, you know, choices had to be made. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and talk about an anime I saw, because mm-hmm. it just occurred to me. Um, so there's an anime called Yuki Yuna is a hero. Okay. Um, so there's been this run recently of Magical Girl anime, which runs dark. Mm-hmm. Um, this one runs dark, but doesn't end dark. Um, okay. Because there's a lot of them which, like, run dark, and it's... I, I feel like I'm very conflicted because it's sort of like I somewhat enjoy seeing things take a dark turn and sort of do stuff like that, but at the same time I know a great portion of why this has become popular is because people just love seeing girls suffer, and that's fucked up. Yeah. Um, so the premise is basically people, you know, there's these folks who live in the town, and like something like five or six, you know, teenage girls end up becoming the protectors of the town against these monsters. And they're protecting the town on behalf of uh, this magical like priesthood or like deity. Mm-hmm. And so they're they're fighting off the monsters, but the thing is they get to a point where they're not able to um, you know, by themselves. They're like, we can't we don't have enough power. Yeah. And so there's a way in which you can overboost yourself. And when you overboost yourself, yes, you get super awesome, you do all great, but then you sacrifice something. And you Ooh. don't get to pick what it is. So, like, there's, like, this huge, ridiculous battle, and they all had to, sac- you know, they all went over boost mode, and one of them can't see out of one of her eyes. Oh, damn. Someone else can't taste anymore. Someone lost their hearing. Or someone loses their voice. Like, it's all sorts of interesting, fucked up disability things. Mm-hmm. And, like, when they're talking to, you know, the priesthood and stuff, like, they're like, so, this all happened. Like, are we going to be okay? And they're like, the doctors say there's nothing wrong with your body. You should return to normal soon. But that doesn't happen. Mm. And you find out there's all this fucked up shit, like all the secrecy and fucked up shit. And this one girl who is in a wheelchair this whole time, you know, she says, she starts finding out more of the dirt and she's like, no, I'm tearing this whole system down. Ooh, okay. And she has like this amazing relationship, like Yuki Yuna is the cheerful go get em girl, and the girl who is in the uh, wheelchair is basically her girlfriend. Like, Ooh. like, like, there's nothing else to you, but it's very clear, y'all, y'all together. Right? Okay. Like, yeah. Oh, okay, that sounds pretty awesome. Yeah. I'm for that. Um, so, why do we find anti-heroes so awesome? I think in a way they're freeing. Mm. Because it's sort of like, you've had that bad day at work, yeah. you don't give a fuck anymore, you want to tell everyone off, and then you want to blow some shit up. And here's someone who does it, right? Yeah, I can see that. Um, I also l- was going to say one of the reasons um, is that often for like minority folks, um, we only really get to play the villainous characters. Yeah. And so I think that some of us have... Um, have really sort of reinterpreted a lot of those villains as anti-heroes. Right. Because when you, often when you look at things from villains' point of view, they're maybe not completely in the wrong. Right. Like, you're like, I can actually see why they would do this. Or worse, when you look at it and you're like, no, they're actually completely right. Right. And we're just supposed to cheer for these assholes? Why? It's always been my contention about a lot of those fairy tales, is that I'm like... Wait a minute, though. That witch had a point. Right. Like, she had a valid point, and I'm just supposed to hate her and cheer for these people because she's a witch? I don't agree with that. Right. Look at Hansel and Gretel. They ate her house. Like, I guess cannibalism isn't the answer, 
But who's to say what cultural norms that witch was working You with? ate her food, she eats you. Exactly. That seems valid to me. Um, so I think that, yeah, I think that really affects why we love antiheroes. And I think that we are more likely to get antihero characters that are people of color than we are to get a heroic movie with a person of color in the lead. Right. Like, look, even Will Smith, who is our, like, you know... The, the 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 token magical he's the magical negro the safe magical negro right like hollywood loves him he will do get jiggy with it but not curse yeah like he's lovely um and even when he's playing the hero in movies like hancock i was thinking of um like men in black and, men in black yeah he's still sort of an anti-hero he's never completely like the person that like the company like in men in black he's never fully supported by the Organization. I think he is in the second and third one. But in the first one, not so much. He's sort of the radical. Um, Hancock, he's a drunk. Um, who the white man helps get his shit, his life together. Um, what other movie was he in? He was in iRobot. iRobot, where he's like the, you know, cop who's like one hand on the force, one hand in vigilante. Um, and like, just, you know, yeah. that we get a lot of brown folks that are anti-heroes, is what I'm saying. Look, Michelle... Look at the huge, what's our biggest series with, like, the most people of color in the lead? Fast and the Furious. And who is the person we're against every time? The government, the police, FBI. Like, these are people who steal, and we are on their side. Like, that is what we get. Um, Vin Diesel is perfect in playing the anti-hero. He's done it most of his life. Right. We love the fast, well, I love the Fast and Furious. I'm not going to speak for you. Um, I... You know, I try to get with the series, but in a certain way, I got really angry about how displaced Asian folks got from it. You know, if you had a different critique than that, I would have been able to yell blasphemy at you and be really angry, but you're right. (laughs) It's one of those things that frustrates me, because I'm like, there's hella people of color, and I appreciate, like, folks need to get paid, right? Folks need to get paid. Action movies, I like those too, but at the same time, I'm sort of like, you know what, the level to which we got displaced, that upsets me. Yeah. And, and it would be different if it was if it started off a lot with action movies where they featured more different kinds of cars. But it was very specifically everyone rolling out in fucking souped-up Hondas, and then, like, you get two Asian people with speaking parts. And I was like, but it wasn't y'all pushing the Hondas. Like, real talk. you know, I'm just saying, if it was, like, a clash of multiple racing cultures, I'd be like, Oh, cool. You know, they didn't really do that, though. I'm really sad that the one Asian lead we get is Han, who I love. I love that actor. I love that character. I love all of it. But because the series is out of order, order in terms of, like, when it was released to chronological, spoiler alert if y'all don't know this, and if you're a fan and you don't know this, what the fuck is your problem? Chronologically, Tokyo Drift is the last film, I believe. Mm. So, or it might now be the one right before, like the one that's come, the latest one that came out. Who knows? But Tokyo Drift is much later in the chronology of the film series. So we meet, we see Han die in Tokyo Drift. Mm -hmm. But we get him as a character in subsequent movies, and he's such a great character. And the whole time I'm watching him, I'm like, fuck, you gonna die, bro. You gonna die. I'm also irritated that it's like, to get this many Asians, we had to go to Tokyo. I mean... But like, but there were so many in L.A., they just didn't speak. They were just on the sidelines and villainous drug smugglers. Um, which could take us to Lucy, but I don't think either one of us saw uh, that. So let's yeah. just hop, skip our asses over Scarlett Johansson. Yeah. Because um, yeah. she don't know, she don't know nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, and since I was mentioning Vin Diesel, let's talk about Riddick. You know, um, As a character, you. not the movie. Thank you. Thank character. you. Because um, I feel like um, the best, like, I still feel the first movie was my favorite. First movie's um, amazing. It is um, the best movie of the, I mean, of the three. And, and I mean, only because it's such a shift in tone. That's my issue. Well, um, I feel like if you just told me, hey, we're gonna do this other movies, which are like space opera, mm-hmm. I'd be like, great. But it's like that first movie was so much sort of grittier and dark that it's like, it's like the difference between Alien and then Aliens 4. Or... Okay, yeah, you actually used the number instead of Alien Resurrection, so it took me a second to get there. But yes, I agree. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
I was totally actually going to, when you said Alien, and I was like, Alien Resurrection, and then you said 4, and I was like, oh, that is Resurrection, good. Um, yeah, I agree. Um, the first one is very clearly a space horror movie, a fucking classic space horror movie, genius, fantastic. anti-hero attitude, right? Perfect anti-hero. I I love the fact that it's like, it's not that he's super-powered, it's that he's non-neurotypical, and kind of pretty much borderline, if not full sociopath, right? Oh, but, yes, and I love, I love that it's a sociopath who bonds with certain characters, like, he loves Jack. Right. And I was like, I like this. And then Chronicles of Riddick, well, there's the, um, anime between those two. Right. Which is the bridging, which is, I think, very good. I um, haven't seen it. We'll watch it sometime. I have it somewhere. There's that, and then there's also the video game, right? Yes! There's the video game where he escapes from prison or something? Yes, there's a couple video games. Okay. I have, unfortunately, not been able to play them. I feel like the universe is trying to cock-block me from Vin Diesel and being as much of a fan as I can be, because every time I've tried to buy the game, like, I've gotten it and it won't work on my computer... Or it's never come. Like, I feel like I've ordered... There's, I think, Escape from Butcher Bay, and then there's something with Athena in the title. I think there are two games, and I think I've ordered each of them twice, and it's never worked for me. Uh, So I've sort of given up, but not really. I'm going to find them at some point. Um, And then there's Chronicles of Riddick, which is a space opera. It is not a space horror movie, so it's a huge shift in tone. Right. Um, I still love it for what it is, Except for the brown folk get killed off in the first few minutes. I was like, oh, damn. Um, But it's a really good film. I hesitate because I'm trying... It's it's a fun film. It's a fun film. I don't know... We're in the same category we can like a lot of the Underworld movies. Yes. They're fun. Fun. It's going to change your life other than it's fun. Well, I mean, the movies are fun. And here's the thing: Vin Diesel's muscles always might change your life. Like that's never something you should you should count out. Okay, fair. But enough. I get what you're saying. <laughs> I get what you're saying. It's not the film; it's Vin Diesel. Yes, um, I actually really love that second movie for what it is. Um, like I said, I, t- I hesitate to call it good because some of the plot holes and some of the right. but there are some fucking great scenes. They'll run across the planet as the sun comes up. Um, the fight scenes in the prison, like, all that stuff is amazing. Um, and then there's the third movie, Riddick, which, listeners, this may surprise you, considering how much I gush over this series and love it, I never saw Riddick. I was super hyped to go see it. Not only did it have Vin Diesel, but it also had Katie Sackhoff, who I'm also a huge fucking fan of. Mm -hmm. I love it. I was like, I'm so excited to go see this movie, Carrie Hilson's in it, whatever. But the other people, I'm down. And then someone let me know that the lesbian character almost gets raped and then becomes straight by the end of the movie. And I was like, you know what? I can't get over that, even for this film series. So, you know, I might catch it one day when I'm not actually putting money in their pocket um, and someone has a DVD or something, but I just can't bring myself... Fair enough. I can't even bring myself to search for it online for free, because I'm just like, <clears throat> I'm just going to be enjoying this, and then there's going to be this fucked up part, and I'm just going to be like, well, fuck this whole movie and everyone involved with it, so I don't want to do that. So I've just decided not to watch it and to judge it from afar. Yeah. Um, that's a choice. Um, it's just interesting, because I think about a lot how the anti-hero idea is really popular, but not necessarily well done. Well, I think that they often turn the anti-hero into a hero at some in, to some degree. Well, I feel a lot of times what usually I see happens, the anti-hero is just someone being privileged and a dick. Yeah, well, they that too. Like Batman. Yeah, you know, right. so like that's like I'm just like, yeah, you're not really doing the anti-hero, you're just being a dick. Well, yeah. Um, Batman is not really a true anti-hero. No, he isn't, but they keep trying to make him into an anti-hero. Right? There have definitely been people in the Bat family who were anti-heroes, like, um, I would actually say Cassandra Kane, yeah, as yeah. Batgirl, was really an anti-hero, and, um, Timothy Drake at times was an anti-hero. He went off the deep end a few times. Right. And had his moments. Um, but Batman has always been sort of a privileged asshole. Right. Um, which is not a popular opinion. You can tweet at us later. Um, we don't, I mean, I've never really enjoyed Superman or Batman, I, I will 
I will take some Wonder Woman. Because Wonder Woman will kill a motherfucker, which I always appreciate. Like, she would just snap someone's neck and be like, well, it had to be done. I'm a warrior. So I can get with her. Um, which is not to say that I don't enjoy Batman cartoons. I won't see the movies. I just... Okay. Emma Frost. Oh! Emma Frost. Anti-hero. Oh, my heart. My like, heart. Like, like, I think that was my heart. The, there was a lot of shit that, like, happened in the... Like, because, you know, I was in for, like, the 80s to the early 90s. Mm-hmm. And so, Some of the like, best times. when I dropped out, like, I'd occasionally peek, you know, peek back in. And then, like, all the time some shit would happen, I'd be like, why are they doing this, right? Like, this doesn't work. But, like, Emma Frost, like, Magneto being part of the X-Men didn't work for me. Emma Frost being part of the X-Men did work for me. Because the Hellfire Club was never that great. Mm-hmm. Like, you're constantly fighting against each other on top of everyone else. But it's like, yes, you actually need someone who's going to be hardcore, who has who is better able to give their hardcore advice, because it's like Wolverine tried to be that, but he never gives you advice. Wolverine just snarls. Right. Emma it's like, Frost. Emma Frost will be like, here's what you're doing wrong, here's what you need to change. Get on it. And I'm like, yeah. And as a character that sort of started as a titillating woman in lingerie, I feel like, when she was right. initially introduced, she's grown into this amazing three-dimensional fascinating character. If you have not read Emma Frost's miniseries of her as a child, where you get the family background and all this shit, it's so good. Mm. Um, she is a great character, and she's kept that sort of lingerie look, but instead of it, like, being a titillation now, it's a power thing. It's very much like, when you see the White Queen wearing a corset and panties and stockings and nothing else, it's not a sexualized thing as much as her being aware of her power, which I think straight men often try and do in series, but it doesn't come off well. Like, I, they try to do it with Irene Adler in the Sherlock series, and it just comes off as more titillation. Yeah. But Emma Frost, I can't remember where I read this. Someone said it. It's not me, but I think it's a genius quote. Where they said something about Emma Frost should be the one to teach sex ed at the X-Men Academy, because they're like, you don't want a prude teaching it. What you want is someone so knowledgeable and smart that you will make everyone in that class feel like they don't know enough quite yet <laughs> to go that far because Emma Frost knows and she knows what you're going to run into. Like, Emma Frost is like that in every situation. What, what I think it is is that Emma Frost is not, um, she's not fake hard. No. Like, like there's a lot of real female hard. characters who are just fake hard, right? Like, they talk all this, but then a man shows up and then they just fall over. And I'm sort of like, what I think has worked well is, I can't, I, I'm sort of like, I don't see what you see in Cyclops, other than the easy manipulation. Ooh, that's, thank you shit. for bringing that up. But I don't, the fact ooh. is, that regardless of that, the writers have not let him run her over. No. Which is what usually happens with him in any character he gets involved with as a love interest. Even though it's sort of like, Cyclops, you can't do a lot of shit right. Like... Cyclops has so many issues, and right. Emma Frost is a genius. She's a tactician. She is... I loved her as the person who was running the um, new... Uh, I'm going to totally... Generation X. Okay. I was one of the teachers yeah. for Generation X with, uh, with Banshee. She was amazing in that role. Um, I love the new diamond power she has, actually. Which I thought I would hate that they added this new power, but she uses it so hilariously. There's actually a scene in one of the comics where they break her nose before she can do it. And she's so pissed because she's had plastic surgery. And she's like, do you know how much that nose was worth that you just fucking broke? Um, and you haven't read, like, her prequel series, have I you? Haven't, I haven't. I'm going to see if I can find my copies somewhere or find... Because it is really showing Emma Frost going from sort of teen, spoiled teenager a little bit to really standing on her own. And the fact that she really, you see her develop her own individual moral code through it. Mm. Like, you get an Emma Frost that doesn't have a problem reading people's minds, but won't jump a subway turnstile. Right. Like, Emma Frost clearly has these very specific rules. rules and boundaries. And when you meet her family and see her father... You get, I'm just going to spoil it a little bit. Eh, whatever. Her favorite sibling is her gay sibling. Um, the father has the siblings lover deported. 
Um, the sibling attempts to commit suicide and ends up locked away. Mm. Um, Emma hates her other, her two sisters, and at one point gets video of her father cheating on her mother, shows it to the family. Whoops. This is some Emma, Emma Frost don't play, where she's just like, and fuck y'all, this is what daddy's doing. Everyone proceeds to, in like typical waspy rich fashion, completely ignore it and pretend it didn't happen, except for her father, who turns to her and is like, I did not realize that you were this cold, calculated, and cruel. You obviously need to be my heir. Uh, and she's just like, are you fucking kidding me? Are you kidding me? And that's when she runs away from home. She's just like, nope, none of it. And it just, it really, it's a great, great series. I'm so sad they, they canceled it. I think it was on the Minx line uh, when they were trying to do that whole thing. Yeah. And it came out in these weird mini small comics. And I was like, what the fuck is this? They're still trying to figure out how to compete with manga and they don't know how to do it. They don't know how to do it. Um, but yeah, Emma Frost, that's, she's a, she's an amazing character. One of the best X-Men ever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think. Did you have other anti-heroes in mind or? Now I'm just stuck on the X-Men. But, um, (laughs) it's all good. X-Men. Yeah. Um, but let's see. Other anti-heroes I have in mind. Well, I mean. Oh, okay. So since we are talking about Marvel, Mm -hmm. I'm just so angry they fucked this up. Um, Uh So a couple years ago they did World War Hulk. Oh, yes. That was actually, you know, could have been great. There was, there were a lot of it that was. And I mean, I totally get, it's like, yes, you can't have him kill off everyone. Like, some of those fools deserve to die. Right, like, I'm like, I just didn't get, like, I was like, here you have a chance to put down some consequences, and you didn't. Like, I was just so angry about that, because I was like, he has every reason to be angry, he is the Hulk, he is canonically the strongest character, short of, you know, the ones who are, like, Eternity, or some shit like that. For those who don't know, quick summary of World War Hulk is the quote-unquote Illuminati, which are Mr. Fantastic, Iron Man, Doctor Strange. Is it Black Bolt? Black Bolt, I think. I think Black Panther walks away when they suggest this. Like, he's part oh, of them originally. Good. I feel like he walks away when he when they're like, well, we're gonna strap the Hulk to a rocket and send him into space. And Black Panther's just like, you know what? Nope. Like, there, there's so, some yeah. decision they so, make so that he's just like, nope. He gets sent to an alien planet, has something like, what, a year or two of storylines on the planet? Marries, has kids, is totally happy. Changes their fucking society there. Mm-hmm. You know, basically overthrows their tyrannical government. They recognize him as a leader. Yeah. And then the ship they sent him on blows up, killing his family. Uh-huh. And Hulk, don't play. Hulk is like, nope, nope. No, I'm coming back, I'm bringing my friends, we're fucking you up. And they fuck up a lot of the world, and it's, and New York especially, and it's amazing. Well, because the beat down that some of those characters get, they so deserve. But there's no lasting consequences, and that's the part where I had a problem. And I'm not, like I said, not everyone had to die, but there need to be some consequences, because I'm like, you built this up. Like, and again, I always end up comparing things to the first crossover I really dealt with, which was Mutant Massacre. Mm-hmm. Mutant Massacre, some people die. Oh, yeah. Some people's powers completely Some changed. people lost their wings. And some people are just like, I can't fuck with this team anymore. People are dying. I can't do this. And I was like, okay, there's consequences. Real talk. Yeah. I mean, I think that um, since we're going old school geek a little bit, I'm going to go to Magic the Gathering, mm-hmm. which was a classic geek uh, card game. I played a lot of Magic in high school. So here's the part where my geekiness succeeds. I read the book series when it came out. Because there was a Magic the Gathering book series. And I think I read up to, like, book 15. Like, for a while, they were were in order. Like, some of them were standalone. Some of them would be, like, trilogies in the middle. But it was the Magic the Gathering series. I probably still have those books somewhere. Or no, I think I lost a lot of them. Sad days. But my favorite, which I still own, because I found a used copy and I bought that shit, is the first book in the Magic the Gathering series, which is Arena, by William Forston. And it is a revenge story. And I love me a revenge story. Mm. Um, And so the character actually screws over a lot of people, because, you know, you have to in a revenge story. And so he's an anti-hero in that way. But I just love that... Basically, at one point, he joins. There are four mag- houses of magic, and he joins and betrays each one in turn. 
and each leader keeps letting him in until the fourth one is finally like, well, you ain't got nowhere else to go. <laughs> like, the other three are pissed at you. I might as well have you on my team. Oh. Because there's a tournament happening, and he's very, very skilled. And so, like, the woman in the fourth house is just basically like, well, you really don't have a choice but to compete with me if you want to compete because you screwed over the other three. And they'll kill you on sight. So, I guess you're on my team. So, it's just got this hilarity. It's hilarious. It's problematic, I think, in parts. Yeah. But it's one of those books that I reread every, like, every couple years or every year. Okay. And I just love a good revenge story. It's something to remember about me. Yeah. Uh, shall we go into Why Must It Be? Uh, yes. It's your turn to do the voice for this, though. That's uh, your job. Okay. Uh, hold on. My brain has to activate. Uh, activate. Why this. must it be? <laughs> there we go. Yeah, there we go. Um, you I got go? a good one. I got a good one. Okay, go ahead. So, okay. Um, I'll start by talking about the series that sparked this. Um, there's an anime series called Knights of Sidonia. It's got Ooh, a whole yes. bunch of interesting sci-fi shit. And I realized why it makes me so angry. Uh-oh. And that's because... The sci-fi is great. The plot is great. Like, there's all these good things that tell you, like, you put a lot of work into thinking about your world building, good characters, good plot. So, like, there's good here, right? You put in effort. If it was a shit show and, like, you did these things, I'd be like, well, of course, this is bullshit, right? But you put in enough good work that when you fuck up... It's really visible. It's really visible. Mm-hmm. And the fuck-ups I'm going to talk about is what I call anime fuckboy tropes. Uh-oh. And it's, I, lo- I watch a lot of anime, I read a lot of manga, and it pisses me off how much of these, um, basically, things that show up, there's no need for them. And especially in this, there's no need. Um, number one, the, oops, I walked in on you naked. Oops, I fell on you and grabbed your boobs. Ooh. And I'm like, like oh, these things happen in anime okay. all the time. And I'm just like, so basically what you're looking for is you're just coming up with all these accidental reasons for rapey behavior. Mm. And we're supposed to laugh at it because it's an accident. And I'm like, the fact that these keep showing up in these cartoons yeah. and these, and you know, and the comics, I'm like, so what you really want was you want to have rapey behavior, but you want to f- make this long set of mental gymnastics of why we shouldn't be angry. Uh, that's number one. That's number two. Problem. Number two. And and I get in pro, I get in stories how you may have protagonists who have multiple love interests. That's fine. You know, I get that there's a level of um of like escapism. Like, you know, would it be great if a whole bunch of hot people were after you? But in this series in particular, it's not just you have two people or even three people. You literally every female character who has a name and a speaking part at some point, it seems to make a pass at him. And I'm just like, you have this intelligent world building about how your society is set up, but you mean to tell me that the aging like, captain of the mecha pilots is going to be interested in this dumbass 19 year old. This Is he the only like, person of his gender or no, something like that? No, he's not even the prettiest. Then I don't... Right, like, and there's no one makes a comment that he's, like, super attractive. Like, if, if he was super attractive, then I can at least go, I can understand why more, but... Yeah. No, it's just... Yeah. He's the main character. Everyone wants his dick. Yeah. But... Yeah. No one lives that life. And, and see, again, it's the fact that you went and you thought about all these other things that make them plausible... And then this happens, so I'm like, why? Um, there is, basically, the second season just hit uh, um, um, Netflix, I watched it, and what we have is basically three of his love interests fighting each other. Uh, oh, and that reminds me, one of those love interests was, of course, a sacrificial girlfriend, um, who gets killed by the aliens, and for no apparent reason, when the aliens eat people, they strip off their clothes if they're women. Um, Only if they're women? Only if they're women. But that that doesn't make sense. Clothes would get stuck. Like, that's just... And then... That's just 
For no apparent reason, you know, the sacrificial girlfriend, they decide to start making giant mecha clones of her. See, there's all these things that I'm just sort of like, you had all this good shit, and then you did all this. Right. My brain hurts. Yeah, and that's basically me. Does this happen in the manga? It happens in the manga. Mm. Yeah, and I'm just like, why did you do this? You had all this great shit, and then you did this. I don't... Why? You, if you took all this out, you'd have this amazing story with all these interesting characters. But you did, uh, I don't know. I don't get it. So that's my why must it be. That's real. Yeah. I support it. Um, I should have a why must it be. Really should. You know, I'm not feeling that ragey lately, but I do have something I want to say. Why do we continue to allow M. Night Shyamalan to make films and television things, and just visual art in general? What's he doing now? He's got that TV series, The Pines, which it looks like it is, it was, it will be a bad remake of Twin Peaks, it looks like. I think it's already airing. I have no interest because fool me once, shame on me. Fool me 273 times, shame on your ass. It's not even, it's not even fool at this point. Like like after the second or third movie, everyone was like, is this all you do? But here's the thing. I feel like for those first three films, maybe four, you can give them something. Like, Sixth Sense was great if you didn't have it spoiled for you. Right. Unbreakable's actually a really good film. Um, the Mel Gibson, Samuel Jackson yeah, superhero yeah. one. Really good exploration of comic book mythos. Signs is when shit starts to go off the rails. Right. And you're like, but aliens are invading a planet that's 80% water and they're allergic to water. That only flies in Invader Zim. That's <laughs> right. Like, Invader Zim did this better and earlier. And this makes no goddamn sense. And then by the time you got to the village, shit was just all fucked up, and I couldn't stand it. But why? how does he keep getting directorial movies, TV series, when there are such great filmmakers of color? He's also a filmmaker of color, I'm not saying he's not, but there are such great... There's um, only other people who should be getting the... Cheryl Dunyeh. Um, Angela Robinson, um, I can't remember her name, but the woman who was originally supposed to direct for Colored Girls before fucking Tyler Perry decides to take over and make it Tyler Perry's for Colored Girls, which I'm still mad about. There are all these directors that really should be getting opportunities to present us with new and interesting things, but he keeps getting them. But he keeps getting them. And part of it is, has M. Night Shyamalan ever done a film that didn't center around a white man? I don't really think so. Um, like, even the Avatar, which was supposed to not center around white people, ended up centering around white, white people. people. So, I'm unsure... Oh, wait, he did After Earth, which just had um, Will oh, Smith and Jane Earth, Smith. Uh... Um, that was bad. That was bad. That was like a Scientology commercial written into science fiction. Maybe that's how he's getting the, these things. Maybe Ooh. he's got Scientology backing. You know that shit. Like, that shit. Hey, you gave us After Earth. We'll hook you up. Like there was um, I can't remember which comic it was who who worked who was a Scientologist for a year, and she said something like she made the most money of her life when she was a Scientologist. They pushed her to make that money. They took most of it, but they pushed her to make some. Um, but, yeah, I just don't understand how he has a TV show now. I don't understand how he keeps getting films. I just, I'm, I'm perplexed. And I would like someone to explain to me why the genius of Cheryl Dunye, who did The Watermelon Woman, which is one of my favorite films ever, like, she can't get a big budget film. Um, you know... I'm sure, here's the thing that happens with black women filmmakers, and probably women of every color that's not white filmmakers, and even white women to a certain degree, let's talk about it. In Hollywood, there are no women directors. Right. But um, black women specifically, everyone's talking about Ava 
DuVernay, I mispronounced that, I'm sorry. Um, everyone's talking about her and hyped about her, and she's going to do this, and she's going to be amazing. And I hope it is. I hope it is true. But this happened to Angela Robinson. Right. This happened to Cheryl Dunye. They have that one film that gets all that hype, and then they're like, they're going to do this, they're going to do this, and they probably get like one mainstream film out of it. Right. Maybe a second. And then they disappear. Right. And you never hear from them again. And I really just, it would almost be okay with me. Not okay. I hate it. It would be better if they probably just stuck with the independent route and kept kicking out the movies that they want to do. Well, that would also. But also, I was just going to say, it would be better if, would, M. Night Shyamalan would feel better for me if I felt like he was repping other people of color. If, he, if right. I felt like he was bringing up other, like, women of color filmmakers, men of color filmmakers. Like, if I felt like... You, he is one of the most powerful um, directors of color. And say what you will about Tyler Perry. I have a lot to say about Tyler Perry. He at least hires actors of color. He at least them. hires actors of color. He works with actors of color. He is very women much... Women get jobs. Women get jobs. Despite his patriarchal storyline. Despite, you know, he hires dark-skinned people. They're always the villain, but they're there. Like, I'm not saying that's a good thing. I'm saying that he at least works with people of color. You know it's a Tyler Perry film when the dark-skinned person abuses someone. Sorry, I, I'm only laughing because in my head I was thinking, like, so what's he doing his remake of The Lion King? Right? <laughs> I, I swear to God. I Just any Tyler Perry, ter, Tyler Perry movie, if you it can be held up to the brown paper bag test, if you are darker than a brown paper bag, you some sort of villain. Something's going to go down. You're going to give someone HIV. You're going to beat someone. Something's going to happen. Um... But we've gone off topic. M. Night Shyamalan, why, do, why does he keep being allowed to make movies? He doesn't represent anything I really want to support. Um, I, I, you know... It's not even like his movie... I, I, like, maybe we should go check and see if he's making money, like, worldwide or something. Maybe. Because his movies don't seem to be doing that Woo! Did you watch The Happening uh-uh. with the trees when they... I was like, the Triffids did this better. And the Triffids at least moved and, like, ate you and shit. Like, it's all about plants releasing gases that drive people crazy. I just, I couldn't. I couldn't. Um, so, I don't understand why he keeps being allowed to make films. I would like it to stop. Um, I would like him to maybe rep some people of color at some point. Like, I just, I often have issues with, like, people of color who come up and have power in Hollywood. But don't... Don't and it's not even like I think you should, right? right? It's not like I think that if you're a person of color in Hollywood, you should only rep other people of color or only support people. But when the only people you seem to cast in your show or the only people you seem to support are white people, it yeah, makes me give you the side eye. Be the most radical. No. We're just like, can you at least be Obama moderate? Yeah. Right? Like, like if get you, a couple folks in. Right? Like, if you are the star of the show, I fail to understand why you have only dated white people. Like, that is the thing that happens with a lot of shows that center around, yeah. like, that one person of color. Yeah. All of a sudden, it's not even that they're, like, they just can't date anyone who's of color. It doesn't even have to be, like, yeah. So, yeah. that's a lot. That's my issue. Um, M. Night Shyamalan, I just want you... I maybe you can just produce things. Maybe you don't need yeah. to write anymore. Yeah. Maybe you don't need to write and direct. Maybe you can just be the money man. Like that, if you're a producer, you get a lot of people, right? In, right? Or an idea guy. He could be like, you know, like who are those authors like Larry Niven and stuff who just like give the idea to people and concepts, then the, yeah. concepts and then the person writes the novel, but you, both your names go on it. Like I think he did that for the Devil Elevator movie, which was someone else wrote it, but it was like an M. Shyamalan production. Tyler Perry likes to do that. Quentin Tarantino likes to do that. Like they like to bring movies over and not actually do anything about it and just put, it their, and just name put it. their name on it. Maybe you can do that in Night Shyamalan. Maybe that's, like, your journey. And I want to support you in that journey. More than you making movies. More than you making movies. I support you. Let me give some shout-outs. Please do. Uh, I want to give a shout-out to Fresh Out Tokens, who we're trying to get on their podcast. Yes! It's amazing. Um, And uh, we'll have to see when we can schedule that, because we're already having enough schedule trouble as it is. Things happen. People have lives. Things. Um, Nergasm Noir... Which, yes, which we appeared on, and it's up, and it's amazing. And, and they're fun. And they're fun, so and smart. so smart, and make me feel, like, so stupid. And we're so, like, in the best way. Like, like, they come with a plan, and they're just Oh, my God. So they're good. Right? I, I love them. Love them. Um, I want to give a shout-out to 8-Bit Animal. I know he hasn't done uh, done some shows recently, but if you like old-school, like, like, Nintendo games and Sega games, he gets mm-hmm. into it. And especially now, I know... um. 
Iwata from um, Nintendo just passed. Oh. Um, so it's going to be interesting with the shift of leadership if they change, like, how they're going to change. I know Nintendo is, like, the most conservative in terms of business stuff amongst yeah. the game folks. But, yeah. Um, yeah, that's some shout-outs. Um, you shouted out all the casts I was going to shout out, except, you know what, I'm going to listen to this, I'm going to listen to more than two episodes of this podcast before I shout it out, they might get problematic, it's all, yeah, we'll wait till next time. Alright. So, listen to those podcasts, and we'll see you next time. Catch y'all later.